This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, it's 9.40am and time for the SNM show. You're with me, Melissa Chuang and Ibrahim in the house. And today, we're looking at the fact that why does it seem that more and more listed manufacturers are moving into the property business. I mean, this year alone, we saw companies like Amalgamated Steel, Takaso Resources, Kin Holdings, all listed manufacturing companies, and they've all forayed into the property development market. Why is this happening, guys? Is there a trend? Two words. No business. <laughs> well, declining <laughs> margins, waning sentiment, poor consumer demand, etc., etc., etc. And, you know, th- when I first saw the story, I thought to myself, is it so easy to make money in property development? Mm-hmm. Because if it is so, I also want to get into property development, right? <laughs> no, it's not. Okay, so it's not easy to make money in the property development, but it's not easy making money anywhere else either. And Especially in manufacturing. I mean, that's true. Uh, for, for something that uh, the, the economic uh, global condition is slowing down, demand is waning, you're going to be hit by uh, unfavorable forex uh, rates, and uh, this will persist for the next few quarters at least. Um, so what's next? The best bet right now is either going to utilities or going to property because either way, whether or not the country is in good shape or bad, you'd still need both. Well, utility is locked up, right? Because unless... <laughs> unless you can build a power <laughs> so, plant so in now, your backyard. So that means, that means you're down to just property. So this is exactly my point. You're, you're funneled down to just one thing left to do in these tight economic times. Do you think that's true? I mean, is that, that the only reason, like um, the reason why people are moving to property is that is the only viable business? Well, that's the problem when you're listed, right? Right? Because you've, you've got quarterly earnings, you've got shareholders to appease, you've got EPS to return. And, um, you know, if you're a private company, then you can kind of like just hunker down and lay low, right? But you mm. can't if you're publicly listed, right? Mm. So the, the, the thing is, w- these are tough times, right? You've got all kinds but of headwind. All kinds of headwind, right? Bank Nagara wants to tighten credit conditions. Uh, land banking is expensive. Sentiment is crappy. Material costs are high. Build quality themselves by <laughs> construction people are... Quite the analyst you are. Sentiments are crappy. <laughs> <laughs> it's massively capital intensive. If you don't sell your inventory, mm. you're left holding mm. the baby. In fact, the whole bunch of babies that you don't want, right? Okay, well, that's true. I mean, yeah, we, we don't deny the challenges that come with manufacturing and the, ch- uh, the stiff competition within that sector. But property is not, not a piece of cake either. You're talking about land banking, Chong. You mentioned land banking is, is highly capital intensive. You've got to shell out yeah, the money you've up got to buy money to buy, yeah. pay money to buy land. But with manufacturing being uh, taking a hit, uh, we're going to see a sharp decline in production and purchasing activity. Now, this will in turn lead to job cuts. And we've seen so many companies actually uh, shelving uh, jobs uh, you know, for the past month or so. And I think by developing uh, land and so on, you can really utilize these resources and build more jobs for your company. We are of course referencing the Edge story from two days ago and we are referencing also Terence Wong, the head of research of CIMB, from CIMBs. His uh, jo- objections to manufacturers that are entering the property development market. Um, Melissa, you want to say something? Yeah, no, okay. So, I also have objections to <laughs> to manufacturers entering the property market. I think that um, wouldn't shouldn't you leave the property market to property players? I mean, is it so easy to diversify your focus in, into what was your core business manufacturing, and now you're kind of um, diluting your focus into property? 
I mean, don't you need to then have skills of the property sector, know the knowledge of the business? Wouldn't it be better if you just tied up with someone who is in the ma- the property yeah, sector, right? exactly. So that, 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 that depends on how your strategy folds out, right? For example, if you look at Surya Capital from yesterday, they uh, are, you know, they're this Sabah-based pot operator, right? And they're saying that pot, pot revenues are going to de- decrease. But they've also got this property development project in, in KK, Kotaki Nabalu. Mm-hmm. And that's a deal they've done with Kabugan AQRS as well as with um, SBC Corp who are property developers and their development there is called Jesselton Key it's 1.9 billion ringgit GDV and that's going to iron out their revenues at a time when pro- revenues are declining so if you do it right and if you team up with the right people you can make money mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be surprised if people like Kin or people like uh, Takaso they, they team up with property players and you know for example then they share the cost of land banking they share you know mm. and then the developers are the ones who strategize and there is still the market and as Jennifer Lawrence will tell you there's always a silver lining to this playbook right <laughs> oh, okay <Jennifer> Lawrence. <laughs> okay <laughs> I can't believe it made the reference. It's 9.44 a.m. More on the pros and cons of diversi- diversifying into property coming up after this on the SNM show BFM 89.9. Good morning. It's now 9.47 a.m. Melissa, Ibrahim and Chuang on the SNM show. Now, um, last year, f- uh, furniture component maker PRG Holdings and garment manufacturer Yong Tai Berhad, they all diversified into the property sector. And this year, they've just launched their maiden projects. But we're seeing more of this, more and more listed manufacturers moving into the property business. So we're asking, is this a trend? And is this a good trend to be on? Okay, so the reasons are as follows, okay? <laughs> Drum roll, please. Great British pound, great, great British pound, great Britain pound, or pound sterling to the ringgit, 6.45. Hmm. Okay. Um, uh, US dollar to the uh, Malaysian ringgit, 4.21. Mm-hmm. Sing dollar to, uh, Austra- Australian dollar to the Malaysian ringgit, 2.94. And Sing dollar to, uh, to the Malaysian ringgit, um, 3.01 okay. These are 40 numbers or? <laughs> <laughs> it may as well be Because it basically means And for a country like Malaysia Which is so liberal on foreign ownership of properties This is a fantastic time for foreigners to own property right? Mm. Um, if you come in via the Malaysian My Second Home mm-hmm. If you come in via the returning expat program With, with uh, Talent Corp mm. If you just come in and you've got a couple of spare Sing pennies or British pound Penny farthings or whatever mm-hmm. to rub together <laughs> Penny <farthings>. <laughs> <laughs> from about a million years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it is reasonably cheap to buy property, right? Mm-hmm. So why not? Okay, so those macro uh, um, uh, indicators are still intact, and um, and the fact remains, even domestically, there is a uh, the deficit of uh, of housing in urban centres. Because you know, people like Rida will tell you that there's too, there are many more people coming to the cities to live than there is housing to cater for. Mm-hmm. Now, this is this is something that is consistent with what Chris uh, was mentioning with regards to household being uh, houses being very expensive Kazana beyond research. reach. Kazan mm-hmm. rich, yep. Uh, and uh, and the idea here is that domestic guys or local guys that earn in ringgit might not be able to afford their homes uh, in the near future, particularly if they are urban dwellers. Uh, but uh, if you are a foreigner that comes in with the, all these 40 numbers, uh, you can be able to buy these homes at a, at a rather okay rate. Right. So, so you're saying that, that there's clearly demand for this, there's going to be a market for this, and if you get in now, you could be ready in time for when there's a property bull run. Well, that's one thing. Okay, so the other thing is if you start, if you 
uh, declare plans to go into property development now. It's not as if as as you know, it's not as if abracadabra you got a house sprout out from the ground. You've That's got right. to buy the land, you've got to lay the ground, you've got to do the plans, you've got to sell it. It's a two two or three year cycle, right? Mm. By the time your house is built or your affordable home is built, the market will have turned mm. and voila. Um, the demand is back in, in vogue again. And is by the time Bank Nagara would also be uh, you know, opening its checkbooks again. That's right. Well, well, pr- the property market is cyclical, right? So, I mean, property um, or more established property players tend to hunker down when times are not so good. They, can't, they just ride it out. But if you're a, ma- a listed manufacturer and you're half doing this and you've got another half doing that in property, isn't that just you know dilution of focus? It is, and that's why I guess people like um, conglomerates, right? Like, okay, for the best example would be a Saim Dhabi. Ah. They've got you know they've got the kitchen sink, they've got the snooker table. No, sorry, they've got plantations, <laughs> they've got cars, they've got you know they've got property, and they, they trade at a discount because people don't know what they are. They're, they're schizophrenic, right? They don't know whether they're going or they're coming. Right, uh, but it's also it's also consistent with the smaller conglomerates, not you know, yeah. the levels of yeah. Sam Dhabi. Even Surya Capital, right? Are they a right. operator or are they that's a property right. developer? Well, what about Massing? Massing was successful, plastics manufacturer that moved into property, and now we know them as largely a property player, right? Yeah, but that's an outlier case, I think, because most manufacturers, you know, they would stay manufacturers, right? And they, they do it to diversify their income. And put it this way, if they had a factory, you know, the couple of acres of land which they used to use for factory operations, which are now lying dormant, why not just develop some condos or some office blocks and get some recurring income. Why not? So the idea here is not just to look at the high foreign exchange rates, but to also look at the very, very rock-bottom low prices of commodities, which will constitute the raw material of developing these property homes. We know that uh, copper and iron ore is now at rock-bottom levels, and I think it's key for these companies to realise this. And they'll, they'll, they'll tend to capitalise on this fact yeah. and try to you know purchase these raw materials at a lower rate. Yeah. Well, we just got a text from Ao Yong uh, who said that shouldn't manufacturing companies focus on automation or downstream expertise? And I think there's there's a point here. Well, he's right, but then the market if it's the, if the market is not ready, if you, if the product into in the, if the market into which you're selling a product is not buying as much as they used to, and you can see this with the PMI numbers, then you've got to do something right. with your excess land. You've got to report quarterlies, right? If your quarterlies are on the downward trend, your shareholders ain't going to be too happy, and that's the problem. Well, it's also jobs, right? Because even if you uh, refine your business and make it more efficient and focus on the downstream, as our listener is um, uh, uh, suggesting, um, it's okay to do that as part of an ongoing concern, but it doesn't address the number of jobs that you have to lay off because you're not getting the right sales figures because demand is actually low. Well, okay, so you know how... A, f- a couple of years ago, it was oil and gas that was the sexy, yeah. the yeah. sexy theme to diversify mm-hmm, in. Mm-hmm. You heard a slew of companies going, "Oh, I'm going to go into oil and gas, oil and gas." But that was, um, I think, slightly different because it it needed a certain type of expertise. Do you think the same th- could be said for property? Could could anyone just go into? You can hire sector? expertise, right? You can hire developer. You can. You would have to say that development is actually easier than oil and gas because it's less technical. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, but then, as with a lot of you know companies that diversify into sectors into which they're not too familiar, and then they hit tough times, it's tough, right? Look look at it. Every Sendai construction went into oil and gas. Bam! Hit a you know hit a roadblock, right? Uh, another one, very small cap company, Handal Resources, mm-hmm. right? They went into oil and gas services. Bam! Hit a roadblock, right? I remember they came in. And it seemed like a pretty good move at the time, but look at where it is now. 
But it's, it's interesting that you pointed this out, uh, Melissa and uh, Chuang. Uh, considering that uh, development proper, uh, property development doesn't happen everything at one shot, mm-hmm. the ability for you to move the same set of engineers, land surveyors, all these guys from one project to another can be done in a very sta- uh, in a very orderly way because right. everything is actually staggered. Uh, even if, say, for instance, I develop some projects, I'm an engineer, I'm a civil engineer, I got my team of people, I work on, say, Bandrisi Coalfields from KLK Property. Once I'm done with that I can actually move on to the next project and so on nothing happens one shot so the ability for us to source for resources or, or talent will be there and it will be supplying uh, it will be uh, we'll be able to supply it uh, constantly throughout the uh, calendar year okay so I think we're running out of time so I just want to cite one from an economist from an economist we spoke to recently okay who doesn't <laughs> seem to be too bothered about our dwindling forex reserves or the fact that our fiscal deficit remains uh, blah, blah, blah right wherever mm-hmm. it is now three or four percent or whatever it is according to her okay this economist thinks that um yeah, the biggest roadblock on the horizon in two or three years time will be the glut of commercial office space that's right. going to hit the market right and that will be probably the biggest systemic risk to this country because uh it might hit bank balance sheets might cause a wave of defaults and there is the problem so if you're going to into property, that is something else to contend with. Yeah, the glut in office space definitely something to to think about. Nine fifty-five a.m. You've been listening to the SNM show on the morning run with Kusu Chuang, Ibrahim Sani, and me, Melissa Idris. It's now um, five minutes to the top of the hour. Here's Blue Collar Jane by the Stripes to take you to the ten o'clock news. BFM eighty-nine point nine. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.